Genesis 19. Hear the word of the Lord. There came two angels to Sodom in the evening, and Lot sat in the gate of Sodom. Lot, seeing them, rose up to meet them, and he bowed himself with his face toward the ground. And he said, Behold now, my lords, turn in, I pray you, into your servant's house, and tarry all night, and wash your feet, and you shall rise up early, and go on your ways. And they said, Nay, but we will abide in the street all night. And he pressed upon them greatly, and they turned in unto him, and entered into his house. And he made them a feast, and did bake unleavened bread, and they did eat. But before they lay down, the men of the city, even the men of Sodom, compassed the house round, both old and young, all the people from every quarter. And they called unto Lot and said unto him, Where are the men which came in to thee this night? Bring them out unto us, that we may know them. And Lot went out at the door unto them, and shut the door after him, and said, I pray you, brethren, do not so wickedly. Behold, now I have two daughters which have not known men. Let me, I pray you, bring them out unto you, and do you to them as is good in your eyes. Only unto these men do nothing. And therefore came they under the shadow of my roof. And they said, Stand back. And they said again, This one fellow came in to sojourn, and he will needs be a judge. Now will we deal worse with thee than with them. They pressed sore upon the man, even Lot, and came near to break the door. But the men put forth their hand and pulled Lot into the house to them and shut to the door. And they smote the men that were at the door of the house of blindness, both small and great, so that they wearied themselves to find the door. And the men said unto Lot, Hast thou here any besides? Son-in-law? the sons and the daughters and whatsoever thou hast in the city, bring them out of this place, but we will destroy this place, because the cry of them is wax great before the face of the Lord. And the Lord has sent us to destroy it. And Lot went out and spake unto his sons-in-law and married his which married his daughters, and said, Up Get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. But he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-law. When the morning rose, then the angels hastened Lot, saying, Arise, take thy wife and the two daughters which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. And while he lingered, the men laid hold upon his hand and upon the hand of his wife and upon the hand of his two daughters, and the Lord being merciful unto him. And they brought him forth and set him without the city. And it came to pass when they brought them forth abroad, and he said, Escape for thy life, look not behind thee, neither stay thou in all the plain. Escape to the mountain, lest thou be consumed. And Lot said unto them, O oh, not so, my Lord. 
Behold, now thy servant hath found grace in thy sight, and thou hast magnified thy mercy, which thou hast showed unto me in saving my life. I cannot escape to the mountain, lest some evil take me, and I die. Behold, now this city is near to flee unto, and it is a little one. Oh, let me escape thither. It is not a little one. Is it not a little one? And my soul shall live. And he said unto him, See, I have accepted thee concerning this thing also, that I will not overthrow the city for the which thou hast spoken. Haste thee, escape thither, for I cannot do anything till thou be come thither. Therefore the name of the city is called Zoar. The sun was risen upon the earth, Lot entered into Zoar. And the Lord reigned upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah, brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants of the cities, and that which grew upon the ground. But his wife looked back from behind him, and she became a pillar of salt. And Abraham got up early in the morning to the place where he stood before the Lord. And he looked toward Sodom and Gomorrah, toward all the land of the plain, and beheld. And lo, the smoke of the country went up as the smoke of a furnace. It came to pass when God destroyed the cities of the plain that God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in the which Lot dwelt. And Lot went up out of Zoar, dwelt in the mountain, with his two daughters with him, for he feared to dwell in Zoar. And he dwelt in a cave, he and his two daughters. And the firstborn said unto the younger, Our father is old, and there is not a man in the earth to come in unto us after the manner of all the earth. Come, let us make our father drink wine, and we will lie with him, that we may preserve seed of our father. And they made their father drink wine that night. And the firstborn went in, lay with her father, and he perceived not when she lay down, nor when she arose. It came to pass on the morrow that the firstborn said unto the younger, Behold, I lay yesternight with my father, and let us make him Drink wine this night also, and go thou in and lie with him, that we may preserve seed of our father. They made their father drink wine that night also, and the younger arose and lay with him, and he perceived not when she lay down, nor when she arose. Thus were both the daughters of Lot with child by their father. The firstborn bare a son called his name Moab, the same as the father of the Moabites unto this day. And the younger, she also bare a son and called his name Ben-Ami, the same is the father of the children of Amon unto this day. May God bless the reading of his holy word. Let us pray. O Heavenly Father, send out your light and your truth, by your Holy Spirit, the resident teacher of your people. In Christ's name, Amen. I entitled this, Lot Disobeyed God.
if you recall last time, two weeks ago, the sermon was Noah obeyed God. This time, Lot disobeyed God. God had called Abraham out of spiritual darkness, out of the darkness of unbelief into his marvelous light. If you want to, you may turn with me to Genesis 12, where I will read verses 1 through 5. Now the Lord had said unto Abraham, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and will bless thee, and make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing, and I will bless them that bless thee. And curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. That's his nephew, Lot. And Abram was seventy and five years old when he departed out of Haran. And Abram took Sarai his wife, and Lot his brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered, and the souls that they had gotten in Haran. And they went forth to go into the land of Canaan. And into the land of Canaan they came. Genesis 12, 1-5. Abraham was a believer in the God of the Bible. In the book of Romans, chapter 4, 3 and 5, it reads, For what saith the Scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. What this is saying, commenting on the story of Abraham, particularly from Genesis 15, is that Abraham was a true believer. He was a believer in the God that revealed himself in the Holy Scriptures. He was a believer in the true and living God who justifies hell-deserving sinners, who counts or accounts to them his perfect righteousness as a gift. And then through the upcoming sacrifice of the Messiah, who would be Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the benefit of the sacrifice of Christ for others would also be obtained for the forgiveness of sins, even through his shed blood. And this is the basis on which God declares a sinner like Abraham and those of his household true believers. This is how God justifies, declares as righteous, forgiven of sin, you and I, who trust in Jesus Christ. But not only was Abraham and Sarah believers, so was Lot their nephew. It wasn't because he tagged along that he became a believer. We are not believers by osmosis. 
There was a reason he came along. It was because he too was drawn by faith to the Messiah. No man can come to me, our Lord Jesus would say, hundreds of years later, except the Father who sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It says in 2 Peter 2, 7 and 8, and delivered just Lot, just meaning he is upright, he is considered justified, and a man that sought to live for God. That righteous man he is also called. Vexed with the filthy conversation or lifestyle of the wicked, and that is, of course, in his living in Sodom, which we had just read. For that righteous man dwelling among them and seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their lawful deeds. Can you imagine that? He was in a place where he shouldn't have been. And uh, yet, nevertheless, God esteemed him or counted him as being righteous through faith in his son. Sadly, Lot seemed to make one bad choice, one bad choice after another. We're going to look at that now. The first bad choice that Lot made, Lot picked the plains. It says in Genesis 13, 9 through 11, and I'm going to read that for you now. You can follow along with me in your Bible if you want. Genesis 13, 9 through 11. Is not the whole land before thee? And this is Abraham speaking to his nephew. They had become so large, their herds and their flocks, that they were running into each other. And so they were in this large land now, finally, the land of promise, the land that flowed with milk and honey. And so he, that is Abraham, gave his nephew, Lot, the option to choose where he would want to pull up stakes or lay down stakes, I should say. Is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt take to the, uh, the left hand, then I will go to the right. For if thou depart to the right hand, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan. And it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. That's where Sodom and Gomorrah were. Even as the garden of the Lord, like the garden of Eden, that was so lush and luxurious, that land that he chose, that Lot chose. Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east. They separated themselves, the one from the other. And so this was the first poor, if not bad, choice. Because he was picking an area where there was a lot of temptation, with a lot of wickedness going on. The second poor choice that Lot made was that he was in this place and becoming involved in the lifestyle and the business of, of the land and was pinned down in the crossfire of a royal battle. There were four kings versus five. You can read all about it in Genesis chapter 14. Okay? Genesis chapter 14. Four kings. 
took all the goods of Sodom, it says in verse 11, and Gomorrah, all their victuals, went their way, and they took Lot, Abram's brother's son, who dwelt in Sodom, and his goods, and departed. And so, as it turns out, Lot gets kidnapped, and everything he had taken. Later, Abraham, according to uh, uh, verse uh, 16, he brought back all the goods and also brought back his brother Lot and his goods and the women also and the people. And so Abraham came to the rescue as a good uncle, as a loving father to his nephew. Now, the third poor, if not bad, yes, bad decision. Lot pulled up stakes and settled down with his family in Sodom. The very first scripture that I could find anyway that, that determined that he landed in Sodom itself is found in Genesis 19.1. Genesis 19.1. And there came two angels to Sodom at evening. These are the very angels that visited Abraham previously. And now they are in Sodom because they actually came as their main purpose to hear out the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah. And eventually to be angels of destruction and of terror and the overthrow of these cities. And Lot, seeing them, rose up to meet them. And he bowed himself with his face toward the ground. By this time, as is evident by the fact that he was, at, he was sitting at the gate of Sodom, that he was into the politics of the city. He was into city politics. He was into the very uh, life blood of the, the city of Sodom. And, uh, of course, uh, uh, being in this position, uh, that means he was deeply involved, yea, entrenched in this lifestyle of the rich and famous and of the ungodly. Well, he makes a fourth poor, if not evil, decision, as we read. Lot was prepared to sacrifice his daughters to the Sodomites in order to spare his angelic visitors. He should not have made this decision. What in his right mind prompted him to make this kind of a choice? He did not bring this to the throne of grace and prayer, did he? Obviously not. He did not seek the counsel of the godly, particularly of Abraham, did he? And yet God showed mercy on Lot in spite of himself. He delivers Lot out of the hands of the lusting Sodomites, and eventually, from the very angels of death, the angelic visitors that he had entertained at the city gate. It says, in Genesis 19, 10 through 13, I'm rereading this. But the men put forth their hand 
meaning the angels, and pulled Lot into the house to them, and shut to the door. And they smote the men that were at the door of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they wearied themselves to find the door. And the men said unto Lot, Hast thou here any besides son-in-law, and thy sons, and thy daughters, and whatsoever thou hast in the city? Bring them out of this place, for we will destroy this place, because the cry of them is waxed, the waxing great before the face of the Lord, and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. Genesis 19, 10-13. Can you imagine that? With those very angels that were there, to check out the city, see what the spiritual condition of the city was, which was not good at all. In fact, it had it, it had gone beyond the point of no return. And at least in God's estimation, as the Lord deems uh, in this present life to do and will do in the last day, when we'll finally destroy the whole world again, but not with a flood as we learned last time, but with another kind of destruction, and that is fire. All this points to an even greater intercession than even these angels, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. This is all with more than one meaning. This is all with more than one application, and the greater application to us all, to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, is this. In Hebrews 7, 24 through 27, turn to it, if you will, Hebrews 7, 24 through 27. But this man, because he continueth ever, hath an unchangeable priesthood. This is Jesus Christ. Wherefore, he, Jesus Christ, is able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. For such a high priest became us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens who needeth not daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifice first for his own sins and then for the people's. For this he did once when he offered up himself. This is speaking of an intercession and is of Jesus' intercession for his people that far exceeds that of any angels or, or, or man. And this includes any that men would purport and lift up to be saints or to be mediators or to be intercessors in the church. This is none other than Jesus Christ himself who has a successful, 100% success rate intercession for his people, which he conducted and accomplished on the cross at Calvary, which he continued in his successful victory over death, in his resurrection from the dead, 
in which he even now at the right hand of the Father intercedes for his people through the Holy Spirit and through the Word and receives the prayers of his people, purifying them with his work and making them as a sweet, sweet fragrance and aroma and incense in the nostrils of our Holy and Heavenly Father. This is indeed the intercession of intercessions, one that you and I desperately need and count on for our salvation. Well, there is another sadly uh, poor decision, and let me say this, let me qualify this, and that is that in all of his comings and goings in the world, in, in all of his living in the world, living particularly in Sodom, living the lifestyle of the ungodly, rich and famous, as it were, he didn't spend much time in instructing his own wife, and for that matter, his own daughters, in the things of God. Lot lost his beloved wife. It says in Genesis 19, 14 through 17, Genesis 19, 14 through 17, the following. And Lot went out and spake unto his sons-in-law, which married his daughters, and said, Up, get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. But he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-law, who were unbelievers, sodomites perhaps themselves. And when the morning rose, when the angels hastened Lot, saying, Arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. And while he lingered, the men laid hold upon his hand and upon the hand of his wife and upon the hand of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful unto him. Then he brought him forth and set him without the city. Reading on, And it came to pass, when they had brought them forth abroad, that he said, Escape for thy life. Look not behind thee. Neither stay thou in all the plain. Escape to the mountain, lest thou be consumed. But his wife looked back from behind him, and she became a pillar of salt. Genesis 9, 26. Genesis 9, 26. What a loss. And I attribute this indirectly to another poor, if not evil, decision of the part of Lot to not prioritize the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That those things of this life might be added unto him so that he might be in a win-win situation having the best of both worlds, as it were, by putting first the kingdom of God. You do that. You put first the kingdom of God in your lives. Or are you putting the things of this world ahead of them? This is something that we each need to assess in our own lives. Because really and truly, we are more like Lot than we probably 
choose to believe. Less like Abraham. Could this, could this be you? And I'm not talking about this lot, but his wallet. Look at Luke 9, 61 and 62. Turn to it. Luke 9. 61 and 62. And another said unto also, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go and bid them farewell which are at home at my house. And Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plow, and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Now you might uh, question Christ's reasoning here. You might question Christ's command. You might question Christ's authority. But if you are a professing Christian, you are faced with this very prospect or possibility that this could be you. Because if you have put your hand to the plow of God's kingdom in saying that I will follow thee, Lord, but have made some kind of qualification, such as this particular one who desires to be a disciple of the Lord, did, but let me first. But let me first. Whatever that is. In this case, it was to say farewell to his family, which is legitimate, which is, in a sense, no skin off of the Lord's back. But because the Lord knows what's in man's heart, and because the Lord knows what is in this particular man, this particular disciple-to-be's heart, and that is that he was looking back. He was looking back to his life, just as Lot's wife was looking back to the life that she led, living inside. Well, we got a problem. And let me say this. If you have if you have problems, we all have problems, you've got a serious problem. And I would, I would challenge you to examine yourself, whether you be in the faith, or to prove your own self, and to know your own self, whether Jesus Christ is in you, lest you be reprobate. That's what the Bible says. There is one more poor, yea, evil decision. Now, I know it doesn't seem like he was in any condition to have made any kind of decision, but then he did. And again, let me preface this by saying, or reminding you once more, that this all fall back, falls back on him as the head of the home, as the father of his daughters. Later, after the destruction of the city, Lot, in a drunken stupor, yielded 
to his two daughters' incestuous relations. Now, I won't reread that. It's not necessary. But let me quote to you Ephesians 5.18. And be not drunk with wine when it is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. That is the Spirit of God. Now, we are with the Spirit of God if we are already born again. But once the Spirit comes to you, He never leaves you. He is the one that points you to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You don't call Jesus Lord apart from the Holy Spirit, the Bible says. But let me say that what this is speaking about is about our need to call upon the Lord, to ask the Lord to and dwell us with his fullness. We pray for God's abiding with us and dwelling us and living in us and for our having a heart that is yielding to God. That is what is meant when it says in the Bible, but the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and long-suffering and gentleness and goodness and meekness and patience. Against such there is no law. And those who are filled in this way with the fruit of the Holy Spirit show themselves to be Christ and more particularly are drawn closer to the Lord, walk more closely with Him, in the shadow. So this is a good piece of advice. Now in conclusion, the second coming will end life as we presently know it, and we don't know when that will come, do we? Let me read to you from the book of Luke, chapter 17, which I sent ahead. And it and it set and it states in the passage. In Luke chapter 17, And as it was in the days of Noah, so it shall be also in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, also as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. That day he which shall be upon the housetop and his stuff in the house, let him not come down to take it away. He that is in the field, let him likewise not return back. There's no way that we can anticipate the last day, which is going to come, by the way. And let's not forget that. Let's not fall asleep on the job. Fall asleep in our think, not thinking that this is not going to happen, that in fact the Lord will not return. He will. We can approach this day in one of two ways, based upon our study this afternoon. Like Noah, who obeyed God, or like Lot, 
who did not obey God. Yes, it's possible to be a disobedient child of God. We're all disobedient children of God. By nature, and sadly also by practice. But hopefully, less so as time progresses in grace. I perceive there are those of you who are close to Lot. Like Lot, you may end up escaping with your life, but it may be costly. As the scriptures remind us, remember Lot's wife. Also, whosoever shall seek to save his life shall lose it, and whosoever shall lose his life for my sake shall preserve it. But there's another cost or loss in following the example of Lot, not Abraham or Noah. What do you have to show for all the Lord your God has done for you? It speaks about in, in 1 Corinthians 3 how a man's work abide which he has built thereupon, meaning upon Jesus Christ as his foundation. Because other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So if you are Christians because your foundation is on Christ, but what kind of works are you building on that foundation? Are they like gold and silver and precious stones? Or are they like wood, hay and stubble, which will end up being burned by the fire? The Apostle Paul says, If any man's work abide which he hath built thereon, he shall receive a reward. What will your reward be? If any, man, if any man's work shall be burned or burned up, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so is by fire, that very fire that will destroy the ungodly will also save the saints, even as that water of the flood that destroyed the world saved Noah and his family from the world. And that was 1 Corinthians 3, 11 through 15. 1 Corinthians 3, 11 through 15. Let me say that it's good to have a godly father or friend or fellow believer in your corner, like Abraham was to Lot. You have one. I trust that you do. It's like Abraham was there praying. And the angels were approaching that city because he knew what they were up to. He knew, or at least had a pretty good idea, what was coming up. He knew that God doesn't tolerate sin in the least, and that he will deal with it in just punishment, in time, and especially in eternity. There he was praying, standing before the Lord, it says in Genesis 18, 20-23. And he would come near to the Lord and, and, and actually pray, Will you, Lord, also destroy the righteous with the wicked? I want to make sure I have a precious nephew and his family there in that wicked city. Please don't destroy him with them. 
And here's a Bible application of the story for you. And uh, for that, let us turn to 2 Peter 2.16. I'm sorry, 2 Peter 2.6. 2 Peter 2.6. And turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an example unto those that after should live ungodly. God is going to use even the destruction of the ungodly, even the condemnation of the wicked, or what are also called the reprobate, those that are without the knowledge of the gospel, for those have, who have disobeyed the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. He that is God, the Bible, that is the Word of God, has an application of the story of Lot for you. That is that it, the destruction of Sodom, is to be an example to all who will live ungodly. And so, you have to make up your mind. Let me give you a good closing tip. And for that, we need to turn finally to Genesis 13, 12 through 13. Okay, so turn back to Genesis. This time, chapter 13, verses 12 and 13. Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent toward Sodom. The men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. And so, this is a tip to stir you in the right direction. That is, where do you pitch your tent? You know, summer's coming, and uh, and I'm sure that there will be those of you that will be camping. And, uh, and I'm talking about the tents. Where will the face of your tent be facing? Now, usually it's in a favorable direction. Am I correct? Usually it's facing some beautiful lake or mountain where it's at least exposed to the morning sun. And in this case, it says that Lot dwelt in the cities of the plains and pitched his tent toward Sodom. He already had his eye on that city. I pray this is not you. I pray that God would preserve you because he is able to deliver his people from temptation. He did finally lot himself and his two daughters at the skin of their teeth, which is no way to end this life. We want to bring with us to heaven a good testimony. We want to be able to show King Jesus at least a portion of all that he has done for us and given to us. So I trust that you will take this advice to heart and make this your wisdom. And that is 
ask yourself the simple question, where do I pitch the tent of my life? Is it for the kingdom of God and his righteousness or not? And with that, let us close with a final prayer, shall we?